Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. All righty. We got a theme today. We're going to put one through the goalposts. And that's, that's our plan. All right. Um, we do have a very active um, prayer list that I'm sure has been handed out or on the table. Um, things are uh, uh, that you'll notice that it changes and some other things. But as far as the lesson today, um, I didn't really have an outline. I guess I forgot to, to do it, but uh, um, we're going to be in chapter 4, verses starting with verse 8. And I'm just going to go through 21 because it doesn't, it's not going to take that long to do this today. And I have a couple passages to read along with these few short verses. Now, as we looked or studied last time in chapter 4, just the first seven verses, um, I think what we found here is the apostle setting things in order for the assembly in regards to its leaders, teachers, the source of the gospel message that saved them, that is, uh, the apostolic message that came from, from the apostles. Now the apostle is going to turn to another approach. We've had a number of approaches here within these uh, early chapters to get their attention and to show them their error that they are involved in, the things that were reported to him, the things that needed corrected. But you know, it's not just it's not so easy to help people from making um, the same mistake over and over again or it's sometimes it's more so it takes more than just a nice quiet talk sometimes. Sometimes people need illustrations or, or they need uh, maybe even an elevated voice. Here we're going to find something even a little different. Because here, here's the condition, I think, that was there, as we've seen through our lives. In, in their minds, they, that is the, the Corinthian group, in, in a large part, they felt they had achieved some sort of ultimate plateau some superior uh, spiritual level, not needing any longer the Lord's apostles as mentors and guides unto the faith. I think people feel that way today sometimes. They're all, they've arrived, and need, no need to, <laughs> please don't tell me anything else. Don't teach me anything else. I've got enough. Well, They believed the apostle, especially the apostle Paul, to be basically unnecessary in a lot of ways. 
After all, just look at all of their accomplishments, work of their own hands in their, in their understanding. You know, there's a scripture in the Old Testament about leaning on your own understanding. That's a dangerous place to be. Because if you're leaning on that stick, it's probably rotten by that time, and you're going to go over. Now, Paul's method to counter this grave situation, in my estimation, in the Corinthian assembly was to begin to, ready, mock them. <laughs> mock them, hoping that, that they would see their folly and repent or reform, whatever word you, you, you like. For <clears throat> it seems that everything that the apostle is going to say in the next few verses uh, is really just the opposite of the truth of the matter. By the way, Martin Luther wrote a commentary on this, and that's kind of what he said, just on this section. So let's look at verses 8 through 13 to start with. Chapter 4, 8 through 13. And he gets, he gets going right off here. Already you have... Now, you are having been filled. Already you were rich. Apart from us, you did reign. That's apart from the apostles here. You did reign. And I would also that you did reign, that we also with you may reign together. For I think that God did set forth us, the apostles, last, as appointed to death, because a spectacle we became to the world and angels and, and to angels and men or messengers, as Young says. We are fools because of Christ, and you are wise in Christ. We are ailing, and you are strong. You, glorious, and we, dishonored. You see how important the you and the we's are when we're reading the Bible? Just thought I'd bring that up again. <laughs> Unto the present hour we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and wander about. That's the apostles. And labor working with our own hands being reviled we bless. Being persecuted we suffer. Being spoken evil of, we entreat. As filth of the world, we did become of all things an offscoring until now. Right up to the present moment, that means. Now it seems that there was within those comments made to Paul concerning the congregation, a lot of negative talk about the apostles and especially about Paul. And I find it a little hard to believe, but yet this is the situation. Or else we wouldn't have such, such mocking as this to show the lunacy, the lunacy of how they were uh, uh, conducting themselves. This shows how quickly men and women can forget the blessings of God 
in their own lives. And in the case of the Corinthian church, it was these blessings were brought by the Apostle Paul as he came into their town with his companions and, and as they spent time together for quite a long time. That's why it seems hard to understand. But then again, men and women are kind of the same way all through history, aren't they? How soon we forget, you know, the phrase. A similar event transpired in the Old Testament. And, and when I was studying this, it just, I just remembered something that I think is very, very similar <clears throat> concerning the way people's attitudes are towards those that we, we would call the men from God or God's men, those speaking forth for God. And I want to share with that with you in Numbers chapter 12. Numbers chapter 12. Now the man here, God's man here is Moses. Now were there other good men at the same time as Moses? Yes, there were. But Moses was particular because of his relationship with God. But here's what happens. And Miriam and Aaron, now these are the siblings of, of Moses, the older sister and brother of Moses. They spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had taken, for he had taken a Cushite as a wife. And they said, has Jehovah indeed spoken only to Moses? Has he not spoken also to us? And Jehovah heard it. But the man, Moses, was very meek. In other words, he was a gentle man and didn't hit them over the head with a stick immediately. Above all men that were on the face of the earth. Then Jehovah spoke suddenly to Moses and to Aaron and to Miriam, Come out ye, the, ye three into the tent of meeting. And they went out, they three. And Jehovah came down in a pillar of a cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam. <clears throat> and they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, Jehovah, will make myself known to him in a vision. I will speak to him in a dream. Not so my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. Mouth to mouth do I speak unto him openly, and not in riddles, and the form of Jehovah did, or doth he behold. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant, against Moses? Do you see any comparison here to this and speaking against the Lord's apostles? I do. And I'm not going to measure the stature. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. The words of the apostles are from heaven. And so were the words of Moses. <clears throat> and the anger of Jehovah was kindled against them, and he went away. And the cloud de deported, uh, departed from them off the tent. Behold, 
Miriam was leprous as snow. And Aaron turned towards Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. leprous. Then Aaron and Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not this sin upon us, wherein we have been foolish and have sinned. Let her not be as one stillborn, half of whose flesh is consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried to Jehovah, saying, O God, heal her, I beseech thee. And Jehovah said to Moses, But had her father anyway spat in her face, should she not be shamed seven days? She shall be shut out of the camps for seven days, and afterwards she shall be received in again. And Miriam was shut outside the camp seven days, and the people did not journey till Miriam was received in again. And afterwards, the people journeyed from Hezroth and encamped in the wilderness of Paran. You see, to me, I can't understand how people wouldn't remember something like that when they had the tenacity to stand against the Lord's apostles and debate them over a point of doctrine from the Lord himself. But you know, the passing of time doesn't lessen the offense. The same thing can be done today, this day, in the same way bringing disastrous effects. Today, In years past, the churches have come to a point of just ignoring the Lord's apostles and their teachings. You know, we can name, we can put the building of a, uh, or a name of an apostle on a building. And you walk through the door, it's the last thing you ever hear of whoever that was. I find that hideous and far from godly. Because to to me, the ignoring of the apostles' teaching um, is the same. It's maligning the Lord and the Father in heaven. And it's why I think that we continue to warn against such thinking day after day. Day after day, we need to remember these things. We're not worshiping the apostles. We are listening to to the apostles. The same way God spoke from heaven to the apostles in in the way of his son, when they were talking, they had great plans of building something for God, for the Lord, the son, and he stopped them dead in their thinking and said, listen, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. We are still listening to him And we are listening to him through the words of the apostles and the writings of the scripture, the the very word of God. Because remember, folks, God will not be mocked, ever. We can say things and we think that that's the end of it, but it isn't. It's not the end of it, not for us. So let's read on in Paul's comments and see what, the conclusion of this thing is. 
Um, I think it's uh, interesting as we look at uh, verse 14. And he goes on now and saying, not as putting you to shame do I write these things, but as my beloved children I do admonish. You know, I'm mocking you, but do you understand what I'm saying? For if a myriad of child conductors or teachers, a myriad being 10,000, I believe, you may have in Christ, yet not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, through the good news, I, I did beget you. I called upon you, therefore, uh, become ye followers of me. We read this again in Corinthians, by the way. I think in the first verse of chapter 11. Be followers of me as I am of the Lord. Same thought. Verse 17. Because of this I sent you Timothy, who is my child, beloved and faithful in the Lord, who shall remind you of my ways in Christ, according as everywhere in every assembly I teach. By the way, you notice that Timothy is his child. Why? He's the, his child in the same way that he begat the people in Corinth. It's a matter of in the spiritual sense, through the gospel. That's how Timothy is in that position. Here's the facts. They are beloved children being admonished. That's how, that's, it seems clear. This is how God disciplines the brethren. In this case, through the Apostle Paul. And they may have 10,000 teachers in Christ, but not many fathers. In other words, the origin of their faith is not those 10,000 teachers that they had around them teaching them 9,900 and how many different ways. For in Christ, through the gospel message, Paul did beget them. Through the word and also through their response to the truth of God. That's a fact. That's the reality of becoming a Christian. It's through the word of God and through our response to the gospel. So, becoming, become followers of me as I also follow, uh, follow the Lord. That's a pretty safe statement, isn't it? Now he goes on to kind of wrap this up in a tight little package because here's what I'm, here's what I'm saying now. Here's what is going to happen next, in other words. Timothy will remind them of Paul's words and deeds when he arrives. And oh, by the way, he will arrive. In other words, there will be there will be someone to come and see how things are going after this letter arrives. Also, Timothy is going to have the same message that Paul preaches in every assembly, in every place. You see, that's, that's the assurance we have of the apostolic doctrine. 
the apostles spoke the same message. Oh, maybe they used some different words in their own um, style of speaking or arrangement, but the message exactly the same every time in every place. And 2 Timothy 2.2, of course, is the scripture that teaches that the evangelists are speaking of the message the apostles have preached in every place. Um, Paul speaking to Timothy, he says, and these and the things thou hast heard of me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men such as shall be competent to instruct others also, and on it goes. That's the program of, pr- of promoting the gospel through the ages. These words that Paul has said are loving, but they're stern. They're sharp, but they're hopeful. But here's the point in the last couple of verses. The choice, the choice of how they react to these things is theirs and theirs alone. They can either reform their thinking or suffer the consequences of discipline in whatever fashion the Lord would require. And Paul's saying, I think, some of you thought I would not return to you ever again. But let's read 18 through 21. And if, and as if I were not coming unto you, certain were puffed up, certain of those in the congregation there. But I will come quickly unto you, if the Lord may will, and I will know not the words of those puffed up, but the power. What do you wish? With a rod shall I come unto you, or in love, with a spirit also of meekness? I'm sure there was some there that maybe was kind of hoping he wouldn't come back. But he was coming back. I will come quickly if the Lord wills it, he says. Then the words of those puffed up must be delivered in their power, that is, human power. Would it stand against the apostolic message? Would it stand against the the oversight of Christ on his apostles? That was part of their decision for them to make. For the power of God's word will come with the apostle. The apostle Paul, in this case, the apostle of Christ, or any of the apostles that may may have come. And the question rings out, I think, in this chapter. It rings out. What do you wish? What do you wish? In other words, there's no orchestration from the heavenlies on the minds and hearts of these people. They've had the word of God. They've had the apostolic teaching. And now they've had an admonishment. But whose choice is it? It's theirs. We need to remember that because that's not how Christendom is, is, is laid out today in the minds or the hearts and minds of people. Some pre-selection idea. 
But here we have the idea that we have the decision-making to do. We can decide to be a follower of God or we can decide to depart and go our own way and build our own religion. That's our decision. The wise thing is to stand with God in his word. So shall it be the rod? However you want to visualize that rod. Or is it going to be in love in the spirit of meekness? You know, meekness is not a synonym for weakness. Meekness doesn't mean that you run around the corner and hide. Meekness, in this case, is the very gentleness of God, the holy, the, the holy atmosphere of God from heaven. That's what was, was the blessing for them, if they will make that decision. So in closing today, let me say, you know, when I look at this, I understand it was for the church then, but it's for the Christian every day as far as the overview of this thinking. This thinking is valid every day, every day. So to those who would challenge the word of truth, that is the scriptures, the Bible, however you want to phrase it, the word of God, or stand against the power revealed in God's word. Now, what's the power? It's the very word itself, the commands within, the promises within. If you're going to stand against that, beware. Beware. For God is not just the God of love and wisdom. Because that's how he's promoted, basically just love. But he, he's the God of love. He is love, as Jesus said. God is love. God is spirit. Of course he has all wisdom. But he is equally, equally all power and authority. We, can, we hold it in two hands. And the decision is always ours. And this, the apostles confirmed in everything that they spoke. So it should be also on our lips, as it says in Timothy. That'd be the conclusion of that chapter, in my understanding. And we'll move on. As the chapters move on, they're more topical. Uh, they deal with a topic, one topic after another, one situation after another. I think I find it very uh, interesting. Um, and valid for every day. So let us let us continue with that. I have our closing song of uh, encouragement and invitation. Nearer still. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.